Hey guys, welcome to another edition of the Growth Circle Podcast with Adriano and Vivian. Uh, we have a very special guest in house today, one of our favorite people on the planet, uh, Mansoor, the Shake Shack. How do you say your last name? Alzair. 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 But you could, you, could, you could just call me the Shake. The Shake. We yeah, got the Shake. shake but well, no, no, you're not on camera yet. Like, take it easy. I know you're excited. <laughs> All right. So we have. <laughs> I am excited. I know you are. So am I. We got Viv in the house. I know we'll applaud for Viv because she likes to be applauded. There we go. I just would like to correct him because it's it, the group. I the knew circle it. with Vivian and Adriano. I, Vivian's first. I mean, I, 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 I saw your face and I did it on purpose. Well, it's written right behind you, so you know I don't need to say it. I think it's we're right gonna, there. We're gonna have to have that changed. But anyway, that's nor here nor there. <laughs> and of course, our guest of honor, we got Mansoor in the house. Mansoor, welcome. Let's just keep it going. Thank you for having me. What's cracking like and everybody? <laughs> Crack a like and I like it. So we wanted to have you on today because uh, it is true. You're one of our favorite people. One of? One of. I got many favorites. Luca's one of them, my son. So yeah, I mean, so Austin's we are going to be political in this, in, this, in this podcast. Well, we have no choice because I see I have to be because I have to counter. Uh, let's put it on. I mean, like what's in this chair. I need to I need to counterbalance this because there's so much fire from that and Latina energy, mm, so and much fire, all the stuff that attracted me to Miami in the first place. <clears throat> um, I have to I have to be the the sane one. I'm not mm. quite sure if that was a positive thing or a, a positive thing. Otherwise, I'd still be engineering and like hating my job and the whole thing. So I love you for no, everything you've given to me. It was the first part, which was like I have to balance something. Counterbalance you counterbalance me too. Okay. Okay, we're gonna move on, <laughs> and uh, so we wanted to have you on here, Mansoor, because um, I have rarely seen a leader of a group of individuals as focused and determined as you. And when I say that, what I mean by that is, you know, people can have teams, or like even when I played sports, um, being a captain of a hockey team, you know, you're always giving 120 percent. And sometimes people are the captains or they're, they're given that position because they're just the most talented and the most gifted. And that doesn't equate to being the best leader for a group. So it's more of a look at my accolades and I'm the best and, you know, I'm better than everyone. That's why I'm wearing the C on my chest. And the thing with you is that you're so selfless. And I've rarely seen that in a leader where you'd, you'd be willing to fall on the sword for your team. And so that's why I'm so... So happy to have you in our studio, and I, I just want to get to it and, and talk a little bit more about you and, and what you're doing here. Um, and yeah, so if you can, I guess, just give us a quick intro on on who you are. Well, first of all, man, I'm honored, and I hope that doesn't change, man. I hope this is just not a honeymoon phase between us, man. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, th I don't think it will be. You know, Viv's impression of me was, uh, I learned a new word. Uh, what, what is it called? Metrosexual. <laughs> I don't know if that was an insult or a compliment, but... I actually like it now. So that's well, the reason why I showed up today. Oh, like, you, like, no, like, you were definitely a metrosexual. So is my husband, just so you know. So I didn't like, know what that word meant, but but then they gave me an example of David Beckham. I said, all right, cool. Yeah, well, whatever that word means, I'll, I'll take David Beckham. <laughs> <laughs> every single day of the week, well, man. that was just one of the words. There were some other ones, but then, you know, I got to know you, and I was like, okay, he's not like that. It was just an impression. Correct. And the thing is, I'm going to have to be very quick on the controls because, like, this is like fire, rapid fire uh, cutting over here. Here. So if you see me glancing or like in a daze, it's because I'm trying to keep up with these two. Um, 
But yeah, Viv, I'll let you do the the, the questioning now since uh, Mansoor and I has, have already exchanged pleasantries here. Yes, well, well Mansoor, uh, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, where you come from. You know, qu just a quick um, intro uh, so people get to know you, get to understand a little bit of, you know, your background. Sure, absolutely. Um, my name is Mansoor Alzar. I call myself the Sheikh. Uh, just to make it a lot easier on you, Sheikh, Sheikh Mansour, my grandfather he used to call He calls himself <clears throat> the Sheikh. And let yeah. me, hold on, let me just stop you for a minute. That didn't take long. He calls himself the Sheikh. That's right. So we're going to talk about for a minute, in a little bit, we're going to talk about the fact that he calls himself the Sheikh. Yeah, yeah. Okay, go, go, go. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Uh, and, and the reason why, and the reason why is because uh, it's um, this is what my grandfather used to call me growing up, and I chose I chose business, and obviously I come from Saudi Arabia, so you know I have the right to play that character. Nobody <laughs> else can do that, right? That's something you know, Adriano. You got Italy here in the house. You could yeah. be the, the mafioso. I can't be. Although you know, some people tell me that I could, you know, I could pass for Italian, but you know, not when Adriano's like in the a house. southern Italian, like, like a southern Italian, like from Sicily. Yeah, Sicily. There yeah, you Sicilian. go. You I got, got you got the skin tone. Man. Okay, there you go. There at you least go. at least that. So I used to tell people that I I'm half italian right because I, I lived there uh for for ha half a year in 2006 when in they Italy. won the world cup yeah yep. exactly Man, exactly i would have loved to be there <laughs> they're, they're asking me to come back because they haven't won a world cup well since. they haven't qualified for the last two so like, we won't talk about that on the okay, that's a different let's not podcast talk about that let's not stir some emotions so there's sore topic oh, between oh, my, me and him and the world uh, cup. yeah well i mean you're I oh thought, you're brazil oh my god how does that happen in the world cup man i want to attend the win you know what's the you know what the best part of that is bad. hold on when they're like when we're not in the world cup and then they're just destroying these nothing teams and then they're they're up six zero and they're doing the samba i'm like you freaking wait you wait until you play a real team and then I'm going to be doing the summer. Well, the great. last time that I was waiting for them to play a real team, we were in the World Cup and yours weren't there at all. I'd rather not be there than lose so, and sorry, disgrace you myself. I'm real team because they weren't there. So just saying. Oh, well, just I just saying. remember the 6 1 or 6 0. Oh, my they God. Got there you go. Germany. There's trash talking right there. <laughs> all right. Well, let's focus. Okay, back to you, Monsoor. Back, back to the topic. So, no, I come from Saudi Arabia. I was born in California, but I lived most of my life in Saudi Arabia. Um, I went to. Um, I came to the States for college. I graduated from, from high school. I was almost, a, I, I was a 4.0 in high school. And I thought I was really, really smart that Harvard and MIT and all the Ivy Leagues are going to take me. And then I realized I have to take this test called <laughs> SAT. I'm like, what the hell is an SAT, man? Yeah. I got perfect To this grade. day, I don't even know what that is. I'm like, what? I, I, I don't know what that stands for, to be honest with you. But it's some aptitude test. And yeah. anyways... I got humbled very, very quickly because in Saudi Arabia, the best company to work for is, a co is the oil giant of the world. You guys could Google it. Um, it's called Saudi Aramco. It's a $2 trillion company. It might not be as sexy as Amazon or Facebook, but whenever you're in Saudi Arabia, that's the company that you want to work for. So I graduated from, from college and I uh, applied for the scholarship program that they have. And they, when you get admitted, I, I got admitted, um, blessed to be part of that company, but they have a whole year called College Preparatory Program, CPP. And that's like a filtration system where they want to make sure that, sure, you got a 4.0 in college, but you could have just cheated your butt off. I'm sorry, in, in high school, right? So they want to make sure that you're actually going to survive uh, being educated in the in the in a in a in a Western you know system like in the United States or mm -hmm. in the UK. And so during that 
year is where you apply for a school, right? And so I, I applied to uh, a lot of Ivy, uh, Ivy Leagues, Warren School of Business, UPenn was my dream school. Uh, it was the first to reject me. And I got just rejection <laughs> after rejection after rejection after rejection. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to end up at like a tier three university with all of the guys who cheated from me in high school. And that's exactly what happened. And I was crushed, man, because I, although I was, you know, academically, I was a high performer. I never wanted to get into engineering. If you're working for Aramco, the best, you know, major to have is petroleum. But I'm like, if, if I, if I want to, if I became an engineer and I came back, I'd be stuck in the system because that would be like the best place to work for. And I'd have a, you know, I wanted to compete globally. So I chose finance and everybody was like, dude, but you're smart. That was the response I got from my family. I chose finance as a major and people were like, yeah, but you're smart. Like what happened? And so the chip on my shoulder began since then, right? I got, you know, I did not get into the school I wanted to get to. I went into uh, my first two years, my freshman and my sophomore was in West Virginia University, uh, which is, which was a party school. That's not a school I wanted to graduate from. I got 4.0s, you know, 4.0s just to transfer out because to me, I was super ashamed for me to even be in that school. I'm like, I yeah. worked my butt off. And I wanted to graduate from a, a highly established university just so that I could be competitive worldwide. I did not want to limit myself to the country, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, I transferred, I got accepted to BU and I transferred to Boston. And then a year before I tra a year before my graduation, I was very depressed. I was very depressed because I've come a long way and then I was, it was only one semester away from going back home. And if I were to go back home, then I'd be stuck there for at least five years, which is the same amount of years that they sponsored me for. Mm -hmm. So I cannot break my contract for at least five years. And that thought terrified me because my, my thinking at that time is if only I had more time, how far can I go in this country? That was my thought process. If I had more time, how far can I go? Because I witnessed how far I've developed, right? I came here not speaking much English and now like I have a pretty awesome life. I'm like, man, if I only had more time, man, I could, I could become a billionaire in this place, man, right? <laughs> and, and so what I the did- The American dream right there. Exactly. I thought the American dream was, was uh, buying a house. Maybe I was <laughs> well. That's what well, they want you. Right. To, that's what they want you to think. White picket fences. Exactly. And buy yourself a get yourself a thirty year mortgage. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So. So my uh, the challenge then was, what can I do to stay? You know, is there anything I could do? Can I legitimately pull this off? Because they have the right to come after me and sue me for all the amount of money of that they put in me. Yeah, they invested in you. It was a very risky move. I found a place in Dubai. Uh, it was a franchise. My first business was a franchise. I I took a flight to Dubai. And it was a very simple concept. It was my first business was actually selling corn. You know, are you familiar with, um, I, I later, I thought I was, I, I thought I was, you know, this was super genuine, like I, I super novel. I thought I came up with it. I thought nobody had ever, but then I realized the uh, uh, Mexicans call it elote. Are you familiar with that? Like the corn in the cob and then you put some cheese on top and... Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. 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 So it's, Mexican, that's Mexican, Mexican street corn yeah. is what they call it. Mexican street corn, corn. exactly. It's one of my favorite things on earth. Yeah, that's great. Saudi Ricardo's Arabian. too. <laughs> Ricardo, Ric Ricardo Saudi Arabian I'm, street I'm the corn. Saudi Arabian who brought street corn too. <laughs> and I failed miserably. <laughs> I went bankrupt, nearly practically bankrupt. You brought street corn to Saudi Arabia? I, I no, I brought I bought I brought street corn to Boston, Massachusetts. I opened a kiosk in the middle of the mall 
where we would steam these Malaysian corn kernels. They were whole corn. Oh my God, they were so tasty. They were a whole cut corn. It's like a full kernel of corn. So whenever you eat it, it's so juicy in the inside, it would Monsoor, pop. did you do any market research before you launched this company? No. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to leave. <laughs> He just had some shit corn somewhere, and then he yes, decided he was going to bring yes. it to, hey, to hey, Boston because it was too too cold there in the winter. <laughs> this is the extent of my market research. All you got to do is steam some some corn in the freaking steamer, <laughs> put some flavors on it, and go. Ten bucks, baby. That's it, right? And by the way, in Dubai, it was like you would see this in every... It was a, such a simple concept that they would put a small kiosk in like every shopping mall when you go to the movie theater. But what I did not account for is that in Dubai, it's extremely hot. So everybody, their entertainment is going to shopping malls. Right. Uh, there's a guy by the name of Jeff Bezos who I happened to have a grudge on because he took all the traffic away from shopping malls. This was 2016. It was the first time ever where Black Friday sales online beat actual sales in person, yeah. Yeah. right? So the traffic was going away. Uh, you know, uh, companies were not responding to economics. Rent was extremely high. I was paying 5500 a month for a small kiosk. Traffic was, was very low. This is an impulsive purchase. It's dependent on traffic. You know, it would work in like a theme park, like Six Flags, right? So within a span of what, less than 12 months, I went from living in a high-rise apartment in Cambridge to living in a uh, getting evicted from my spot. Uh, I had my only resort was a uh, Craigslist post. I lived inside a one bedroom apartment inside a an old lady's house in Salem, Massachusetts, which is the capital of the like the witch and the yeah. Halloween spot, right? And uh, yeah, within within a span of 12 months, I closed the business and I was practically bankrupt. I didn't have anything to my name. And um, I that's when I got involved in the insurance industry. So, so ta let's talk about that a little bit. So you came from an environment where it was expected of you to join the petroleum industry. Correct. The company backed your schooling. Yes. And you didn't want to have any of it so much so that you went into finance and everyone was like, well, you're intelligent. And that's another question I have. And we'll come back to that. And then you just went your own way because you were so determined to build your own thing for yourself and reach your goals that yeah. you didn't care what the norm was or the status quo was coming from where you came back home. What was that like going up against family, friends, culture, expectations? No, Mansoor, Sheikh Mansoor, you need to be doing this because that's what our family does. Mm -hmm. That's where we've worked. You're the next generation. Dude, that takes fucking guts. I'm sorry. Yeah. But like, how, how was that? Talk us through it because I'm like, shit, I had an easy time compared to that. But what was that like, what was that like for you? It's it's tough. I mean, it's cars being sold this day. <laughs> I, I just came back from from Greece in the wedding. I'm I'm sitting all alone for four or five hours. I'm like this is boring. I can't relate to these guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I love my family. I don't like them, but I love them. Right. Uh, not everybody, obviously. No, of but course. it it, it there is a cost to be paid. There there is a cost. There's a hefty price. There's a hefty price. I slept for. I mean, b before. B I mean, I I don't consider myself. I haven't made it by any means. But relative to where I come from, I've 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 came a long way. And uh, for the first three years, I slept in my car, man. You know, it, it got to a point where I had no money like zero literally zero all i had was dreams all i had 
I had hope and I had an, I had a, I had an aunt who loved me like her own child and she would send me money every now and then she didn't have any kids, but she was a doctor and she knew that I was in a tough spot. And that's how I survived, man. I left Boston. I, I got recruited into the insurance industry in Boston. And then it, it dawned on me after a while, our office was not gaining any traction. And then I told myself, why am I limiting myself in, the, in Boston? Like I moved from Saudi Arabia to Boston. How about I go work with a top earner? And the entire company that's when i moved to chicago because i needed to shadow some an example right so i i called my my mentor at the time shout out to matt Zapala, money smart guy i love that guy he's, he's my he's my older brother right he's, he's the guy who taught me uh, the insurance industry but i shadowed him i didn't make money there i but i i i, I acquired the skill and it took two two years or so two two years and a half i would drive him to the news station at wake up before 5 a.m. just to see how he moved, just to see how he interacted. Even until this day, the way that I talk is because it's a byproduct of even my my, my gestures in my hand and whatnot. It's the same way that he, I needed to shadow an example. Mind you, I didn't make much money. Like at, at the my breakthrough happened in the pandemic in 2020 when I when I went back home, right? Yeah. Uh, but that's what um, I I ended up going to Chicago to shadow a mentor. And I would rent a cubicle uh, for 200 bucks a month. I was sharing that cubicle with two other people because it was 600. And I would go to my Toyota Prius at the end of the night and sleep there, wake up and work out at Planet Fitness and shower, put a suit on and go prospect, right? Go prospect, build connections. I went to Chicago not knowing anyone, zero. And my task was to build a network from scratch, from scratch. So during this entire two, three year process, you know, you could imagine how many phone calls I got from my father. Your cousin just did this. Your cousin just bought this house. You know, just admit it. You failed. My uncle did not talk to me for 18 months. By the way, I love my uncle. I love my dad. You know, we had a blast in Greece. Uh, but, you know, they they did not support my decision. My grandfather would call me and he's like, hey, when are you going to stop dreaming? When is this going to fade away? I'm like, you don't understand. I'm I'm committed. I'm, you know, Curtis Jackson, 50 cent, die, you know, <laughs> die richer, you know, got, get richer, die trying. I am, that's where my confidence came from is that I, it became so personal to me that I would, there was nothing, nothing that would rob me from my dreams. I was go. I knew that I was willing to endure so much pain that nobody else would do but it was because hey i have a duty i've come this far i'm the only guy but by the way the shake did not exist that, that, that that's an alter ego that i had to develop because mm -hmm. i had so much insecurities back then and and you know it, it it it's it's damaging i damaged a lot of relationships in the process a lot of people that i expected to support me did not support me at all so so, so did you ever think of selling yourself out meaning what succumbing to the pressure and just saying fuck all this i'm no because then i prove them right yeah so it was like so obviously it was personal for you but like so many i think that so many people sell themselves short right when they're about like when they're at their lowest low i think that's when you can make the biggest gains because i mean you have nothing else to lose exactly and so it's a it's a shame when i see people that are right at that breakthrough moment mm-hmm and then they just say, oh, it's too much pressure. I'm just going to give it all up. This doesn't work. But it's like, man, if they had just held on a little longer, they would have broken out of the mold and, and, and had some success. And then you get that positive momentum going like you have. And so that's why your, your story is so compelling. It's because like you literally went against 
the establishment mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. like everything was laid out for you all you had to do all Sheikh Mansour had to do was like just step onto <laughs> that first brick and become the Sheikh right uh, but a different shake than you are now, of and course. Let me add something here. I think when I hear your story, when I look at you and I see the person that you are, because today, and we're going to get to how we met and how sure, I got sure. to know you, but today I know the person that you are, right? I know I know who you truly are, like the Mansoor without the shake and the Mansoor with the shake. Very, two very different people, right? <laughs> uh, but um, when, I, when I hear this story, the thing that comes to my mind is faith yeah and and i gave a speech about this at convention right yeah. which is a man of faith can be bothered with a man of faith like nobody nobody can do anything to a man of faith because they you will die fighting for their dreams and mm -hmm. and what i'm hearing is basically you you were a younger man you're going to you're going to to school you you're trying to find your place in the world everybody else around is telling you hey you should be doing this, but you know in your guts what it is that you truly want to accomplish for yourself. And even though everything around you is telling you go this other way, you had faith in yourself. Mm -hmm. And I know that's very hard because mm -hmm. for me it was the same thing. When I was young, I was, you know, 22 years old, pregnant, um, running a business, trying to figure it out, like what I was going to do with my life. I used to be a very successful actress in Brazil. Very successful. Wow, like, why know. would you live? You didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. I was an actress since I was seven years old. No and kidding. I left Brazil to go to film school. Yeah. And I end up. I end up. It was the Mary Kate and Ashley of Brazil. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't put them on the I was a very level. successful actress. I was going to school to be a, 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 a director, a film, you know, film director. And I was supposed to go back to Brazil. And I end up, you know, when I came. Uh, I went to Canada to go to film school, and when I got there, and Brazil and Canada and the U.S. is very different, so I got there, and the first night I was there, I was living, you know, with a Canadian family, and uh, the first night at 2 o'clock in the morning, I woke up and I was hungry, and I went down the street to Young and Bloor, and I bought a piece of pizza at 2 o'clock in the morning. What was I was the, walking in where? the street. From where? Like from a few streets over. No, no. What was the place? What was it called? Pizza, pizza, little, little. Caesar. Oh, it was, was pizza, it? pizza, 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 pizza was my favorite. Yeah, that's a very Canadian. And thing. I, I lived at Bathurst Street, and I, 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 I walked over to Young and Bloor, which is like you know a few blocks over, and that was at two o'clock in the morning. To me, that moment was like, I will never go back to Brazil, mm. because this freedom right here, I. I can, I will never be able to have this type of freedom in my life. And th at that moment, I became a woman of faith. Mm. And it didn't matter what was going to happen in my life. I gave up on my career. I gave up on, on I, I was still going to film school. I still wanted to be a director, but I knew that I wasn't going back there. I knew that my purpose was here. So I understand what, you, what you're telling me when, you, yeah. when you're telling that story because that's exactly what happened to me. But I was still 20 years old. Mm -hmm. I was still, I still, I was a kid. I had no idea what I was going to do with my life. I did know that I had a purpose. Mm -hmm. And when you figure it out that you have to go from a, a, a caterpillar to a butterfly mm -hmm. and you just don't know how just yet mm -hmm. but you do know that you do need to make that change mm -hmm. it is life-changing yeah and 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 that's what i'm hearing your faith 
And then you had to create that alter ego. Yeah. And my first alter ego was my Vivian Storms was my previous name. I got married, I became a businesswoman, and I became just, I made this alter ego, which was, you know, my previous self. And then at some point I realized that I had to let go of that alter ego and become this other person. And, and I had to reinvent myself several times. But if it wasn't for every single one of those trans transformations, I wouldn't be where I am today. So that's what I'm hearing, the faith and the confidence on somebody that you had to become to be able to become the person that you want to be that you were today. Does that make sense? I know a hundred percent. You know, it's not only faith in yourself, it's, it's, it's faith in God. You know, you know, I, I'm not sure who said this, but God doesn't put a dream in your heart just to mess with you. <laughs> you know, either you, you feel, you feel, you know, you, there, you go through moments in life, you go through experiences where, you know, you have a calling. I was, I'm the only guy who was born in the United States. So I'm a dual, you know, I, I have the U S passport. So I have an option that's available at my disposable at my disposal that nobody else has, right? So for me, it's like, hey, what if? What if? If everybody asks the question of what if, right? What if? To me, I got to a point where I knew going into business was very risky, and odds were against me. Odds were against me. However, it was it got to a point where when I think about that, it got to a point where I have two options. Either I go back home and then I work for five years and then I tell myself, then I'm going to go pursue my dreams. By the way, how many times do we hear that? Everybody's yeah. like, all right, well, then I'll. OK, I knew that was not going to happen five years from now. I'm probably married with twins. Like I can't. My risk tolerance is not going to be the same as when I'm in the system and I'm comfortable. Then it's like, hey, you know, you're handcuffed. Then you're focused on your career goals and whatnot. Okay, or or I take this massive risk right now, and chances are that I will I will fail because odds are against me. Let's be you know be objective about that. Business is not easy, but then what? Then would I rather go back home and wonder the rest of my life what could have happened? Yeah. Imagine what waking up at thirty six. We wake up in the middle of the night. You take a look at your wife. You're like, yeah. <laughs> that's 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 a pretty brutal example man. no 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 but, but 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 how many people actually go through that but no one hears that conversation it's it remains in that no one is ever going to know yeah. you take a look at your kids and then deep inside you have some some form of resentment because you know you did not go after your dreams you know at some point you settled you know at some point you conform to what was expected of you okay i watched my mom grow up and mom I, I i get my my ambition from my mom but my mom was extremely ambitious and she's still ambitious until this very day and she's still going at it in business she never had her big breakthrough but she was always i could tell that she did not live the life that she wanted to live my dad wanted to become a millionaire okay he he may be a millionaire now after he retired and he's 60 right yeah. right so yeah. he never really pursued what he wanted to pursue mind you we have a phenomenal life have a great life we're very blessed but it was not what they wanted to do so to me i took it as hey why do why not take that challenge why not become that person not only for my family but for my town to me it was like hey whenever you graduate from college where i come from you're either going to become an engineer right if you're smart or you're going to go into business if you're not that smart and if you're really dumb you're going to become a teacher why is it that we're limited by these options why we have so much talent, but because of where we come from, there is discrimination. We cannot, we cannot attain, you know, the, for example, if I were to go back to my, to the company I was, I was working with, there would no, there is absolutely no way. If I was the most competent person in there, there is no way I would become the CEO. 
Zero. Zero. I could be this. There's no way just because of where I come from and the, and the city. I, I was like, you know what, dude? No. Yeah, I'm never going to go there, right? So I wanted to become that person who goes out and be like, hey, guys, watch this. <laughs> okay? Watch this. I got it. You guys are not man enough to do what, what I'm about to do. I'm going to go there. I'm going to go build it. And then I'm going to come back and I'll be like, here you go, guys. I've done it. And it's that same story of Roger Bannister, right? That it was not believed. I'm not sure if this is a myth or if it's true, but it was not believed that you could walk a uh, uh, a mile, you could r- run a run mile in four minutes mm-hmm. until he did it, yeah. right? And then once he did it, the, the most Everybody amazing part it. is that two weeks later, 30 some people did yeah. it. So it was a mental limitation, not a physical one. So I wanted to become the Roger, I, th- that's my goal, is to become the Roger Bannister of my town to take my people mentally, hey, we're not limited by the option that that's available to us right now. We could do, we could actually go out and do something that has never been done. And that's what drives me. It's, it's do something that's never been done and uh, for people to doubt you and tell you you're never going to get there and be like, all right, well, look at me now. That's amazing. That's it. That's it. That's amazing. I mean, like, I think that once we... Everybody has that driving, motivating factor behind what they're trying to accomplish. And sometimes it's just as simple as being real with yourself. Like you weren't willing to sell yourself short just because of what was expected of you. Uh, And I admire that about you a lot because I certainly didn't follow that path. Now, I didn't. I was always told I can do whatever I want with my life. This is funny. So I'm... We were ta- having a conversation with uh, my mother-in-law, Viv's mom, and she was asking, and she was asking about like Owen, and say, "Hey, what does he want to become? Has he expressed anything that he'd like to sure, become in school?" Sure, sure. He's and I was like, "He's thirteen, he's 13 years old." <laughs> I, uh, and then she's like, "Well, because Vivian knew she always wanted to be an actress, and and uh, Eduardo, that's my mom for you, and Eduardo." <laughs> And it, uh, but it's you have to understand they like that's the upbringing that's the expectation it's the culture whatever it's the like that's who she is and that's fine mm-hmm. and that's not a knock on her at all uh, I've seen it in the Italian culture too it's like hey are you going to become a doctor a lawyer an accountant sure, or an engineer sure, sure sure and so I was like well he's thirteen years old I didn't say anything because I know better so Vivian was like he's thirteen years old how can he know what you oh, well you knew that you wanted to become an actress and Eduardo knew he wanted to be a, a lawyer at thirteen years old. And, you know, he's, he should know what he wants to do by now. And I'm like, man, I was going to university. And I, th- I, wasn't, I went into engineering. I didn't even know if I wanted to be an engineer. Sure. And it turns out I didn't. Sure. So, and here I am. So it's very hard. Even in this moment, it's always like, you're always like thinking, what's next? How can we make this better? What can we develop? What can we build? Life doesn't start and stop with the expectations that your culture or your society or your town puts upon you. Like, mm-hmm. or lays down for you. I mean, you gotta. At some point, you gotta realize that your own person, you're your own person, and you're here. You were born of a family to give you certain conditions to be able to decide for yourself what it is that you want in this lifetime, mm-hmm. and that's my belief. And so, um, yeah, man, that's that's kind of it. Like, uh, that's so good on you, man. That's really, really amazing. No, dude, I'll, I'll I'll tell you this, man. I mean, and and there is still, I mean, for the people who are listening to this, I mean. We've, we've crossed some milestones, but we haven't arrived yet. I mean, and I'm, I'm, I'm inspired by you guys because when I started knowing, I mean, we've, we've known each other technically for a few months, but it's like we've known each other forever just because of the, the instant connection, right? And sometimes you need to meet someone who is much 
successful than you, who's at a higher level than you, maybe they're ahead in life than you are, just for you to realize how great you can become. Because when I met you guys, I'm like, wait, hold on a second. That kind of rewired, without you guys even knowing it. But when I met you guys, I'm like, whoa, I, I kind of underestimated what's possible for me. Because if I have you in my corner and your experience of what you've been able to accomplish, I have no doubt that I'm not going to quit. So it's destined to happen. And it's coming from a fundamental belief because entrepreneurship is a different language. And that's what I realized, like coming back from Greece, I'm telling you guys, it was not the best. It was, it was what I was looking for, but not what I expected. It, it stirred the fire in me because I, it, I, I don't relate to a lot of people now. Yeah, I felt that's I've, me and Adriana. I felt <laughs> no, like a, a lot of telling, most people. I felt like a fish out of the water. I was like, "This sucks!" Like this sucks. I felt estranged, right? And no one was interested enough to to know what's happening in my life. Not no one, right? But for the most part, we grew apart, and it's because my language has changed. Not only am I, not only the distance plays a role, but my language and my lens is very different. And once, but it is a language. And once you adapt that language, then you're able to speak it. And then the results are going to follow. So the fundamental belief that I had that made me, if you were to ask me, why were you, why did you continue believing? Faith is one part of it, but it was also a realization that I was the problem, not the company. Not the industry. I was the problem. All these guys came and were they were successful, right? So it was me. I needed to develop. I needed to grow. I needed to become a different person. I needed to create an alter ego. I needed to read books. I needed to acquire a skill set. I needed it was me. And my dad, I, I I recall this one time my dad called me. It was a Sunday night. I just finished a leadership call and my dad called me and he was screaming, man. And I, I told, and we were going at it. We were going at it. And at that time, like my dad doesn't know that I'm walking to my car to go to sleep, right? And like they, they're not even aware of my conditions at all. But he will, he just went berserk on me, man. How long ago was that? This was, I want to say, 2019, gotcha. right? This was 2019. And at that time, and like my dad is like, hey, just admit it, you failed, give up. Like there's so much opportunity out for you. Saudi Arabia is just, you know, changing. It's growing. There's so much that you, you can do. Just come back. And I, I was so super like, nope, I'm, I'm staying. Why? Because I knew that I wasn't the person that I needed to become in order for me to attain success. I needed to grow. And that's exactly what happened. Because when I left the company, all the skills that I acquired, I went from zero to three million in 12 months. So that was an insurance company that you used to work with before, Correct. right? So you built a team. Correct. So walk us through so people would know kind of like what happened there. So you got into the insurance industry. You moved to Chicago. You started uh, mm -hmm. uh, shattering your mentor. Your mentor. Your mentor yeah. You yeah. learned the business and then you built a team of how many people? In total, my my agency from in the five years, I recruited roughly 200 to 250 people. So you were there for five years. You recruited 250 people. Correct. Okay. And that, and just so people understand, that's an insurance agency that for people to come in and work with you, they had to pay for it, right? Correct. So it's high volume recruiting, right? And people would start their own business. So they, there was an um, initiation fee. 
of uh, roughly, I think it was one ninety nine, like two hundred dollars. So you're recruiting these people, yeah, to work with you. Correct. What comp? Thirty percent. You recruit. <laughs> yeah. Hold on, I need to breathe for a second. No, hold on. You you recruited two hundred fifty. You had two hundred fifty people right. writing in your agency. At a thirty percent contract, and, and we're they not had writing. To, we're recruited. Oh, recruited, but, but not necessarily. Writing. Okay, yeah. and they had to pay two hundred dollars to start to with start. you, Correct. and they were at a thirty percent contract. Correct. Okay, got it. Okay, we. Okay, got it. So, and then we we what was the what was the agency doing? My agency there. Yeah, we were not doing much. I was the only person who was making decent money. And it's because that that was, you know, it's, we we had, I I mastered the art of recruiting, right? It, it was, it was throughout that process that I was able to scale so much, but recruiting was basically your avenue for you to get leads because you will not be, you know, you're not buying leads and calling them to sell them over the phone. You needed to recruit someone to quote unquote, get into their market and go to their family and friends. So that was not scalable. It was, it got to a point where I'm sleeping in a car and my biggest uh, recruit, my biggest quote unquote leg was sleeping next to me. Oh boy. <laughs> you guys were just, you guys and were the, just keeping each other warm. He was, he's in the passenger seat. He's in the passenger <laughs> seat. Now, mind you. you I, we laugh now, right? Yeah. But it's not funny yeah, at the time. I, I recruited sure. this guy from Boston. My running mate, right? He was yeah. in school. Yeah. He quit school. Right. He was going to go into real estate. I said, no, man, you got to check out insurance. And then he moves with me. He follows me from Boston to Chicago. And one night I'm sleeping in my car and he's sleeping in the passenger seat. And my mom calls me 3 a.m. And we get into a fight. Okay, and I'm screaming. And by the way, I mean, I'm, I'm a devout religious, I hope, Muslim. Right. So, uh, you know, you don't shout at your mom. You don't even like. Well, nobody should shout at their mother. Yeah, like that's that that was very out of character of me, right? Very out of character. But the memory is so vivid because I was super emotional mm -hmm. and I was screaming, and he's he's sleeping next to me, right? And it was just like when you're when you're in the middle of war and you're like you're you're in the midst of war, you don't want someone to. Cre inject limitations like you're i'm fighting the very programming that you put in me yeah okay yeah. i need you to you know maintain your distance because i'm trying to overcome a program and override a program here i'm trying i'm creating this alter ego right because i need to become a different person and so it was that realization that made me realize that hey this is we're selling people a dream, but I'm seeing their life uh, you know, deteriorate. That's, that's, the, that's the one thing I'm the most terrified of. Yeah. Because when Adriano and I came to the industry, um, we I was an entrepreneur. Uh, he was getting into entrepreneurship, breaking all of those programmings from mm -hmm. uh, being an employee and the whole thing. But I I was I was an entrepreneur. I knew what it took. And I, I knew that if you only depended on me, I was going to make it happen. Um, however, I did learn about the industry and I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful for mm -hmm. the people that recruited me, mm -hmm. for the people that taught me a lot of, of what course. I know today. Same. If it wasn't for that mentorship, if 100%. it wasn't for that help, I wouldn't be the writer I am today, you know, the leader and, and, and so forth. So I'm very grateful for that. 100%. But 
I remember all the corporate overviews and all the 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 people talking about the opportunity and and it it was I think it was not as bad as where you were at but I could I could understand that a lot of the people that I would see on top they were making money on the very 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 top mm-hmm. but all of the people that were coming into the industry at that compensation starting at 60% contract mm-hmm. you know and you having to buy leads and you having to 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 recruit and you have to get recruiting leads and all of the expenses that you had there was no way you could actually reach the survive. potential that they were selling you or survive and i came in like listen when i came in i i'm talking to the guy that hired me and i asked him and he's like oh this person makes this money this person makes this money this one and i'm like okay how much money do you make mm-hmm and then he told me that he had made $400,000 that year. And I was like, hmm, $400,000 and you have an agency with this many people. Okay, we can't start there. But the reality is with time, I figured out that that, that was not, there was no way that you could make that money with that level of contract that, that unless, yeah. unless you weren't in the field producing yourself with a high comp. Time passes that we moved, we we change our brokerage. Added Life is like with the best platform you can possibly think of right now. 100%. And now we have the income and we have the opportunity when you have everything. But the thing is, when we recruit people, when we bring people in, it's that realization. I'm telling you that if I give you everything you need to be able to have the life I have, you can actually get there Mm -hmm. and i take that so seriously Mm -hmm. because whenever my leaders or my agents or anybody in our organization fails and a lot of people fail they fail because they're not coachable they fail because they're not willing to do what it takes they fail because they their mindset's a mess they they fail because many reasons um but we have a lot of people that succeed too. Mm-hmm. So for me, every single time somebody fails, I take it personally mm-hmm. because I know we have the best, mm-hmm. but I don't think I would be able to live with myself being on that situation because you were bringing people in, you're selling a dream, but this dream doesn't exist. Does that yeah. sound right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's um, the, the the dream is is there. There are people who, who who are able to make that happen. It's knowing knowing that it's really not going to work for them. You know, it's it's really not going to. It's a very it's. I'm not going to say it's not going to work, but when you're in a GPA, if you're if you have any destination, let's just say you're you're planning on going, you're planning on going from Miami to Georgia. Right. And uh, you, you know, obviously you don't know the road, so you're going to use a GPS and you have multiple routes. Well, which route do you usually take? The shortest one. Thank you. Mm. It's just what path do you want to take? I want to take the shortest one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, that yeah. th- there is a longer path to yeah. get there. It's still going to get me there, but it's going to take a lot. And it's- I think, I think that, that in this case, like don't misconstrue what, 
you're well like if they're listening to that oh the shortest path sometimes like people want to take shortcuts that's not what you're talking about you're no, talking about getting know. in the the fastest vehicle correct that, and traveling the same path and getting there way quicker than the Cor- next person correct got it and, got it. and there's a few things that play a part on getting into the fattest the fastest yeah. vehicle one of them is going to be your comp level mm-hmm. it's going to mm-hmm. be the platform you're utilizing mm-hmm. uh if you have contracts if mm-hmm. you actually own your business mm-hmm. like that's the thing the company that we used to be with before we we didn't own our business. We're mm-hmm. coming in. We're we're recruiting. We're paying for the recruiting. Mm-hmm. We're paying for for the leads. We're paying for everything. But if we wanted to leave and we wanted to change platforms yes. or we wanted to change the broker, we couldn't do that because we'll have to leave everything we've built behind because we don't own it. They own it. Uh, we don't own our. Uh, we didn't own our, our book of business. Uh, the other thing is leadership. Sure. Like having real leadership, mm-hmm. people that will teach you how to do the job because they've done and they have a track record mm-hmm. you know um i think that people underestimate the the the, the value of culture mm-hmm. you know oh having a God. culture oh that God. will get people to believe in themselves even though you know this business you're gonna go through a learning curve and if you don't have the culture to bring it all together and to, and to keep it in place so how uh, since then let's just move forward since then you 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 left that company you uh, um, um, that was a little bit of that trajectory for you since since making that change. Yeah. So what happened was I was going through a time when it was the, the pandemic was the best years, right? I uh, that was when the insurance industry adapted to doing everything over Zoom, and that's really that that was a game changer. I mean, COVID was a game changer. I hear some people. I don't know if we can say COVID in this podcast, but hey, if if, if anybody's listening to this, COVID, COVID, COVID. If anybody's, <laughs> listening to this, if anybody's listening to this and you guys want to bring that, you know, stuff back. That or, back. I mean, if you want to get into COVID, we can record <laughs> I mean, a separate podcast you know, altogether. That would be very I, I, interesting. I'm just saying, I'm just saying I'm not opposed to it. You know, if it wants to make a, a comeback, please come back. You know, we need to see. Well, I'm going to fight you on that one. I don't want to see it anywhere. Uh, yeah. no, well, look, all, all, all I'm saying is that was probably, that was the best time for 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 our for me for our agency uh-huh. because we went virtual we were not virtual before that mm-hmm. it was all in person and i was stuck in the states for five years i couldn't see my family for five years because it was all in person right and it's like having a baby when you begin a business you cannot leave so i was stuck but when covid happened the insurance industry was forced to adapt yeah to adapt mm-hmm. and they yeah. were accepting e-signatures and all of that stuff yeah. and i'm like wait holy crap i could be like one of those youtubers like sitting in in the ocean right <laughs> by, by by the ocean and be like hey i'm here on my laptop and blah 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 blah, blah, blah right all these ads that, that yeah. i used to see back in the day yeah so when that happened i was in saudi arabia and i was able to scale sitting from home and that to me was a, a feeling like i've never experienced before because i'm like wait i'm with my parents all i got to do is switch my time clock i would wake up at 3 p.m. i didn't go to sleep until like 7 8 p.m. 8 a.m. but i was totally fine with that because i was super focused and i would do that every day of the week uh, if if i could just go spend an hour with my grandfather right and everything was virtual online so that was the time when our agency expanded but unfortunately what happened was my former uh, my practice company they decided to turn back to in person after covid died so i came back to chicago at, at that time and uh 
I, I couldn't go back to that in-person model. I, yeah. I just couldn't go back because I, I did too well. I did very good, you know, virtual that, you know, the force of having to come back to the office and do things like the, I felt it was going, I, fe- I felt like we were going in the backwards. wrong direction. Yeah, of course. We were going backwards. In yeah. addition to the fact that um, I couldn't self-rescue myself, you know, although I was producing, it just, you know, the, the agency that we were with, obviously, was a lot of underwriting. It was all underwriting. There's no such thing as simplified issue. Simplified issue to me was like, what, what is this? So, so, so you're saying everything was fully underwritten, uh, yes. medical exams and the whole nine yards. Yes. That's so, craziness. So, so what happened was I, I had, um, I was, uh, I had, an, I, I've gone back home. I went back to Chicago to attend a wedding. This was my best friend in Chicago. Uh, he, he's still is my best friend, but he's a big client of mine and he invited me to, to the wedding. So I, I went back. And so he has an exotic car rental company and, uh, I was only there for the wedding. And so after the wedding, I would hang out with him in exotic cars, obviously roses, Lamborghinis, all that. Like, this is, this is like a man cave for me, man. Yeah. But I, I applied what I learned from, uh, my agency and the insurance company that I ran to help him grow his exotic car rental company. So before I left, he's like, hey, man, like, can you stay? Like, depending on how much you want to pay. Yeah. Right. And he cut a check for me. Right. Uh, This was in August. In December, we had a falling out. Okay. We wanted to take the company in one direction. He wanted to take the company a different direction. Like, dude, this is my best friend. And now I have a falling out with him. Yeah. My best friend in my entire, in the entire world, I had a falling out with him that, and we're still not talking until this, this very day. Right. Like I, I was going to go to Greece to, to meet him in Sweden. I, I can't get it. I can't track that, this guy down. So it, it went to a point where I had no money. I had a falling out with my partner, all the insurance policies that I was producing at the time. Uh, they were all caught up in underwriting. I will not, I would not get paid. I had rent to pay. And then I got into a car accident and I crashed into a bank of America. Now, Listen to this. Listen to this. One day I walk out, the car's not there. What happened? Repoed. Repoed. Yeah. After two years, I thought they wrote that. I thought they wrote that Prius off. (laughs) I got it from Massachusetts. They repoed in Illinois. The look of defeat. What if if your car was repoed? Let's just hypothetically, it, it would never happen to you. But if if that was the case, if your car was, what would be your first um, course of action if your car was repoed? To sit down and cry. <laughs> sit down and cry. But who would you call? My mom. <laughs> your mom. And then? Well, your dad, the, I guess. The police. No, <laughs> the repo company. Yeah. Right? The re- the repo <laughs> no, I, I probably would think that it was stolen and no. I would call the police and say, somebody stole my car because no. I don't know what the difference the, is between re- repo the repossession. Bank, the, I didn't pay the car off. So the bank, when I got into the car accident, they updated my address. Oh, and when they updated my address, they found the, car. the bank that owns the car, they came back and they found the car and they took it. Oh, yeah. No kidding. My next call was to Qatar Airways. I didn't even I didn't even bother retrieving the car. Yeah, said, I said Adios. I need my I said I need my next flight back. He said, "Sir, the next flight is in 4 hours." I said, "The next flight. Put me on it. I'm done. I'm done." And I go back, I'm like, "What's next for me?" I was crushed. I mean, crushed. 29 years old. And uh, I, I Was that like your dark night of the soul? Like that events. was that it, had I not been in so much pain, 
you know, it's always what's what's that saying? It's always darkest before dawn, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, one I've I've heard a you know <laughs> I've heard a mentor of mine say uh, that the scariest number is the number nine, because you're always going, you're breaking from a, a new you know new decade to another. I was 29 at the time, and I was like, wait, hold on, man, I'm 39. I don't know what that means. Uh, <laughs> no, but but don't trust me. I, I, this is the reason why the Porsche is outside. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's coming from that. Yeah. <laughs> like that's the last person in my thirties. <laughs> but I was super. I felt. I felt like a loser, man. I was twenty nine years old. I'm like I got nothing going on for me. When am I going to get married? When am I going to have kids? I mean, I got nothing to me. Nothing. I'm twenty nine years old. I was super defeated. So at that point in time, that's when I heard about our platform and, and Family First Life. And, um, you know, um, that's when I made the decision because I was like, hey, you know, I, I really got nothing to lose, man. I mean, this is just not working out for me. And uh, I saw an opportunity, you know, I, I saw an opportunity and uh, I, um, I communicated at that time. I was looking into like, what's going to be next for me? I was listening to a lot of podcasts. Amazing. Well, um, now... You're here, teams growing, um, a bunch of killers, everybody working their butts off. Uh, what is next for you, Mansoor? What, is, what, what are you going for? What are your goals? We have a few minutes here to wrap up, but what are your goals uh, for the next six months? What do you want to accomplish? Um, what's next? Wealth is what's next. Um, you know, we've... Uh, we were very clear in terms of what our direction is going to be. Um, what we have here, and I've, I've said this before, you know, sometimes you could give someone the same toolbox and they build totally different things. Uh, there's a lot of agencies inside our platform. Uh, there's no agency like our agency. Zero. When I walked into your office and I came out, I, I couldn't I couldn't unsee what I saw. Uh, it was not something that was easily duplicatable because you guys are true entrepreneurs in the sense that you've invested a lot of money in order to build this and time and time right and so for us when we when we um decided to make this move and align with aria to us it was like all right this is finally a place where our agents could become profitable and make a lot of freaking money. We live in a time right now where, you know, uh, our country is facing a lot of challenges, economically speaking, right? Where, where there's going to be a market crash, inflation is, is off the roof, you know, who knows if there's going to be another pandemic or an essential worker or not. This is the time for people to, to what? There's a, there's a closing window of opportunity. And if you don't get your income, you know, to high six figures, then the next decade or so, that might not be the best, you know, the best time to be in the States, in my opinion. But this is the time for the biggest wealth creation is happening right now. The question is, how are you seizing the opportunity? This is a solution for a problem that everybody has. And it's what? You're not making enough money. I don't care how much you're making at your job. Inflation is eating your income up. Mm-hmm. So what is your strategy for you to face inflation what is your strategy? What is your position from an upcoming crash? What happens if there is a next recession and you end up what getting that phone call and they're telling you, hey, we, we're going to have to let you go. The whole department is gone, including me. I'm sorry. Right. 
what, what, what's, what's your answer to all these problems that we're facing? A lot of people are in, in the States right now are left with what? With these questions unanswered. But we have an answer. Why? Well, because the insurance industry is rock solid. Doesn't depend on... When was the last time you worried about inflation? Does that change our products? <laughs> no, definitely not. I mean, Never. Right? Of course not. When was the last time you worried about a recession happening? We make more no, money in, in terms recession, of recession. Yeah. It's recession-proof. Why? Because people want the opportunity where they get to control their time. They get to control their income. No job out there is going to pay you what inflation is right now. No job out there. So now you're forced to do something outside of that. Everybody has a what full-time job, part-time job, and then a side gig. Hey, enough with that stuff, right? So we know that we have a solution in place. We're not going to wrap up the year before we uh, scale our agency to a million a month. Okay, that's 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 happening. But what's 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 next for us is we want to build. Uh, we want to. Um, our goal is to disrupt this insurance industry. And I'm by by disrupt. I mean there is in the landscape of the insurance industry right now there is no one that I'm aware of that's doing what we're doing. No one. And there's a lot of people that need our help that just don't know about us. So we're gonna build the biggest agency out there, man, and show people a different avenue for them to take back control, remove uh, you know, the concern of inflation off their, their, their finances, and uh, help a lot of people in, in the way to, to show them a path for financial freedom. That's awesome. Mansoor, we're gonna wrap it up. We went a little over time, but it's, it's always a pleasure sitting down with you and having these conversations. If Absolutely. anybody wants to get in touch with you and work with you, how can they do that? Um, well, shoot, shoot us a text, 617-233-1613. Um, we obviously don't work with anyone. We want to make sure that it's the right fit. The agency is expanding, but the time that we give to anyone out there is time that we're taking from other people too. So if you're someone out there who's really serious about leveling up your finances and turning 2024 into your best financial years ever, and you're willing to go through the hard work and the grit and you're coachable, right? Then perhaps we should have a conversation. Um, you could follow me on Instagram. Uh, it's the shake. Uh, shake is S E S H E I K H. Uh, I'm you still have, waiting. You have to think about that one for a second. We'll I spell check to, that yeah, and we'll, 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 we'll add your, your, we'll add your, your handle mm, on there. There you go. The so, um, yeah. Well, cool. we didn't get to talk about how um, how we met, but we're gonna do another podcast and we'll get into it. Yeah, there's it's too there's much of too a much, good story. Yeah, there's too much that we have sure. to talk about, and we'll we'll talk about that. Well, next time. thank you so much, Monsoor. Thank it was a pleasure me. having you with us here. We'll do it again. Um, okay, okay. I, I wanted to put Monsoor there, and uh, again, and then I'll put me on the screen now, <laughs> and then I'll say. Follow us for more tips on business, entrepreneurship, insurance, whatever you want to do. Uh, hit us up. Ask us some questions if you want to know anything and what our insight on anything business uh, and entrepreneurship. You can do that. And can you looking at me can like, we Georgia. record this again? Because this is like whatever you want to do is like not really how you want to answer. <laughs> no, podcast. I think that it's off the cuff and it's great. And we're going to roll it exactly like this. Whatever you guys want to do, we'll do it. It's all good. <laughs> Mansoor, thank you so much for, for, for being here. And uh, yeah, we'll do it again sometimes. We'll catch you on the next episode of The Growth Circle with Vivian and Adriano. Oh, yeah, <laughs> baby. You catch you guys on the flip side. <laughs>